Welcome to this podcast by Global Church. We are a church planting movement wanting to reach cities from here to everywhere, one to everyone. If you want to find out more information, check out our website on www.globalchurch.co.uk. The theme or the, the, the topic for this morning's sermon is a fresh start for everybody. A fresh start for everybody. I will read a lot of scripture today. That's how I roll. And so you just have to try to stay alert. We read from Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 3. And I read from the message version. By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. Listening intently. The Pharisees and religion scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them, treating them like old friends. Their grumbling triggered this story. And in Luke chapter 15, we have three parables. If you go to church or don't go to church, most people would know about the, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. So now I read from the NIV version in the Bible. It's same, same, just a little bit different. Verse 4 and onward. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? Until he finds it. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. This parable tells us something. You know, it says that, that Jesus was triggered by the criticism of the religious leaders. Because of what they saw, that sinners and people of bad reputation, they were hanging out with friends and it was like Jesus was treating them like old friends. He was eating, and this triggered something in Jesus, and he tells them about priorities and proportions. So the priority is leave the 99 and go for the one. And the proportions is the 99 is not as important to Jesus as the one. And what makes heaven rejoice is when one is found that was lost. Not the 99 that don't need any repentance. So if we want to be in line with the Bible, if we want to have the priorities and the proportions and the focus that Jesus had, if He is the one we want to follow, we can learn from this about the proportions and the priorities. The third parable, 
about the prodigal son, the return of the prodigal son. And I read from verse 20. Probably you know the story. If you come to St. Petersburg, you can come and visit the Hermitage Museum. And the, the most beautiful of all the paintings there, among Picasso, Monet, Da Vinci, and Matisse, and everyone, it's Rembrandt. The original motive of the return of the prodigal son. This proclaims the gospel. So, it says in verse 20, so he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with anger for him. Does it say so? No, filled with compassion for him. And the father ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him something that he had prepared. He had written down his speech. He had been thinking over it a lot. This is what I need to say. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So what's the response of the father? But the father said to his servants, he just ignored it. No comment. Quick. Quick. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine... So what's the response to what the son has just said? He's talking to the son by talking to his servants. The, the son is hearing him. He says, I, I, I'm not worthy to be called your son. He's talking to his servants. Action speaks louder than words. He's immediately giving orders. Say, quickly, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put that ring on his finger. Dignity. Help him get back in and just get the sense of what it means to be a son in the house. We'll do everything to help him really understand he has never been anything else than a son. And he is back as the son. Let's put on a feast. And let's celebrate for this son of mine. Was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. So they began to celebrate. Our focus in global and in St. Petersburg is leaving the 99 for the one who is lost. And we want in everything to represent the Father his attitude, his body language, his actions. His words, the atmosphere around him, full of compassion, running to meet, embracing, hugging, kissing, telling everyone else to get in, fix things so we can put on a party. Because the one who was dead is now alive. The one who was lost is now found. This is who we are.
This is what is important to us. And I will take you to a Bible passage. It's a long passage now. And now we come to the story of today's message. And after that, I will come and show you something. And then we will end. <laughs> so we go to John chapter 4. And we go to the story about when Jesus met the woman in Samaria at the well. So please have some patience and be with me as I read and you can join me. Now, Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Seeker near the plot of ground Jacob. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't thirst, get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true, sir, the woman said. I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you... Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit and His worshipers must worship in the Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When He comes, He will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I the one speaking to you, I am he. What a conversation. Yes. 
I'm soon done, but a little bit more. We jump down to verse 31. Now the disciples have returned back from the town with food. And meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, have something to eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? I don't know if you see the humor in this, but it's like when Jesus is talking to the, the woman at the well, there are two conversations going on. It's like me and my wife in the kitchen at home, like we are really <laughs> talking to each other, but it's like we're talking about different things. The same with the disciples and Jesus. He's talking about one thing. They think he's talking about another thing. And it's just like this. The disciples and the woman neither get him. Jesus says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, he says. It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes. And look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. What he was talking about to them was, you are missing it. You are thinking that harvest, growth, people, it will, that's our mission. We will have, see it sometime in the future. No, no, no. Open your eyes. It's happening right now. It's happening right now with a conversation with this woman here right now. Now, open your eyes. Now, it's happening. That's what he's saying to them. The conversation continues. Verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. <laughs> yeah. Think for yourself what that was. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. Here is the harvest. The disciples thought about would be in the future. But Jesus was saying, open your eyes. It's already here. Because of one conversation with a woman from another culture, they were not supposed to even meet or talk. But Jesus did something that broke the protocol. We are called to go to places and meet with people who are different than we are who are not used to our culture and our traditions. We will meet people who are thirsty and open for the living water. Let's not go around those places. Let's not just go through those places. Let's go to those places. Let's not avoid those people, like the woman at the well. Let's speak with those people. Our mission is to speak truth without condemnation and give them living water. 
they might think, and they will probably think, that they don't fit in to our traditions and our liturgy, our way of worship. But we are called to help them to not fit in to the Jerusalem style of worship, but to worship in spirit and in truth. The worship does not take place in the Samaritan way or the Jerusalem way. There is a new way of worship that is not in a building or a city or a tradition or a culture or a style, but it is in spirit and in truth. That's what we are leading people to. My personal opinion that the conversation that Jesus had with this woman is probably the deepest theological conversation that we can find in the Bible. The disciples, they, they felt so awkward because for hundreds of years they had been trained and taught don't to go around Samaria. And if they had to go through, let's just go quickly through, let's just not stay here longer than we need, buy the food and then just go through. Jesus, he sat down and he had a conversation. He stayed for two days. I can even see how the disciples were like, Jesus, it's two days now. Like, when are we leaving? This is just, calm down. The woman, she knew that she was not supposed to be with Jesus also. So the disciples were not comfortable to be where Jesus was. And the woman was not comfortable to be with Jesus. But that's in that tension, that's where we are called to be. Where many disciples will feel, I'm not supposed to be here. Let's just go around this place. Let's just avoid these people. Let's not, yeah, yeah, let's buy something to eat. But God, oh, oh, protect me, Lord. Oh, oh, Lord. I'm not supposed to be here. But Jesus, he was different. And when Jesus started to talk to this woman, she felt like, well, I'm not supposed to talk to you. But he did. And he had something. I, I'm just praying God for more grace over me, over us as churches, that we would be able to tell it like it is. Go and get your husband. Well, I, I, I don't have a husband. You speak the truth there. I can tell you even more, you know, like five men you have had. And the one you have is not your husband. That's someone else's husband. That's not really good. So he was able to speak truth in grace. No, no, no grace with compromise. Well, let, you know, let's not talk about that. I, I just wanted you to know that I know some things about you, but let's not talk about it. No, let's talk about it. But without condemnation, without any sense of guilt, shame, or you're like, you're bad. No. She runs into the city and says, he told me everything about my life. And the whole city says, we know everything about your life. <laughs> we read the tabloids, you know, like. 
How could it be that she was running with joy and tell the city about meeting someone who knows everything about her when what she, he knows about her is not the best thing? Because he had, a, he had a way of speaking truth in love. Truth and grace. No condemnation. But truth that sets you free. That changes you. That brings you to the living water. That's our call. So now I come to my point here. And we will read the last passage in an Another letter in the Bible is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 through 22. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this. Both non-Jewish Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders. Excuse me for my Swinglish. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. Not only a wall between us and God, but a wall between we and them and us and them. He tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. This is good news. Can you hear the music behind you? No, this is good. In the Hollywood now that we are coming to the peak here now in the movie. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity, and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everyone. For the religious disciples, for the woman at the well, for the sinners with bad reputation hanging around Jesus, for the prodigal son who had spent the inheritance that the God the Father had given him even before it was time, and he comes back home. He created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you, outsiders, and peace to us, insiders. He treated us as equals, and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here. You belong here. With as much right to the same Christian name as anyone. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. 
God is building a home. He's using us all irrespective of how we got here. Did you hear that? Irrespective of how we got here. In what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you. Fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple built by God. All of us built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. Something new is happening. The church is not just a continuation of tradition and religious and forms and ways of worship. With Christ, a new, fresh start for everyone. So if you have religious background, if you're raised in church, many times it's more a problem than a help. There are many things that are a blessing. But God doesn't look at you, well, that you are better off. No, he's just starting all over with Christ. He's treating us all equal, no matter how we got here. And not just treating us equal, we are equal. There is no insiders or outsiders. I know when you go to places sometimes and you feel like, I don't fit in here, I'm an outsider. It's an awkward feeling. But church is supposed to be a place where God is at home and where everyone can feel at home. But it is a, a place in the middle, not a middle of compromise, but a new place where the disciples, like in Samaria, will feel awkward to start with because they feel like, I don't, I'm not supposed to be here. And the woman from Samaria, she feels like, you're messing with my mind because, like, I know that the way you believe, the way the worship, the way it should be in Jerusalem, that style, the temple, everything, and we are used to doing it this way. And you are saying, neither way is the way. It's something new. What is it? God wants to encourage you today if you come from a background that is not used to church and you feel like it's, you feel like an outsider, you feel about awkward, you don't really know the, how to do and everything. You just have to have patience with all the Christians who think that they know it all. Because God treats us equal. Because we are equal. He tore down the wall. Most people are not religious. Most people are not fitting into traditional religion. But everyone are created to worship. And we have a mission. To be like Jesus. Follow Jesus wherever he goes. And meet with people. There are women at the well. In Jor. In York. And God loves them. They don't fit in. They're not supposed to fit in. To religious style. But Jesus died on the cross. To tear down the wall. 
and welcome everyone home. And with these people, there is a harvest. This was my message. Maybe it's not just hooray, but it's something to think about. Something to work out. What does this mean to us in our context, in my daily life? To summarize, we want to be a church like Jesus, with the proportions and the priorities right. We are a church for the one who is lost, not the 99 who is found. From the team here at Global Church, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please check out our other messages available on the website.